This podcast is supported by Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Rider has nearly 80 years of experience helping customers in North America, the UK, and Asia transform their supply chains by delivering the best in operational execution. Rider provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. Visit us at rider.com. That's R-Y-D-E-R dot com. And now, on to the podcast. We talk a lot about supply chain excellence, but what exactly does that word mean? Now, we have a brand new way of measuring it. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There's been a lot of debate over what constitutes an excellent or resilient supply chain. For a number of years, we've had the Gartner Top 25, and that's been a valuable yardstick. But Laura Sassiri, founder of Supply Chain Insights, believes there's a better way. She's been working with Arizona State University on a new supply chain index that incorporates hard financial data, is industry-specific, and can be accessed by all companies regardless of size. The index examines a company's strength, portfolio balance, resiliency, and peer ranking. For Laura and her team, it's been a three-year journey, which culminates this September with the unveiling of the very first Supply Chain Index at Supply Chain Insights Global Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona. Laura joins us today to talk about how she developed the index and what it means to companies that are looking to achieve new levels of excellence and resilience in their own supply chains. So here is my conversation with Laura Cesari. Laura Cesari, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Bob. Thank you so much. Nice to have you back. Uh, This time around, we're going to talk about Supply Chain Insights' new Supply Chain Index, a brand new way of measuring the efficacy and strength of supply chains. I want to start by asking you, what was the purpose behind or the rationale behind you creating this new index? Well, Bob, you know, I've been in supply chain for a long time, and I've been writing about supply chain excellence for a long time. And the more I write about it, the more I realize I don't know what it is. And so I had worked on the Gartner Top 25 for about six years when I was at AMR. And we'd had a lot of heated debates at AMR about what to do with what's now the Gartner Top 25 before the acquisition of AMR by Gartner. And one of my concerns was that um, you really couldn't put all companies and all industries in a spreadsheet and shake them up. So, the rhythms and cycles and the drivers of the companies are just too different. And so, you know, I work a lot with process companies who, by definition, have to own assets. And so, you know, the more I studied it, the more I realized that you really couldn't compare 
a large company like BASF to a large company like Ford, they're just too different. Uh, you know, to use the simplicity of the three financial measures that are in the Gartner Top 25 of growth, return on assets, and inventory. So I began a three-year journey, and I actually funded the journey through the bootstrap startup of first building a database of financial ratios. And we wanted to look at ratios, not at individual numbers, because the ratios allow us to compare companies across industries and also across currencies, and big companies versus little companies, because I thought that all companies needed a way to measure in my head. The math was far greater the need was than my capabilities. So we partnered with Arizona State University to try to come up with a way that we could measure progress at the intersection of growth, return on invested capital, operating margin and inventory turns, and the resiliency or the pattern. Because what I found through plotting all the orbit charts is that the companies that were doing the best on driving improvement had very tight patterns. So back to your question, well, why did I do this? Well, because I think supply chain leaders need more than a beauty contest. I think the Gartner Top 25, because it's 50% uh, opinion, either the analyst opinion or the supply chain leader's opinion, has become a bit more like a beauty contest. And the PR firms of large companies like Unilever and Dow and used to be Dell and Motorola and Apple, you know, roll into the Gartner offices and, you know, makes a case of about why they're the best. But I think supply chain deserves a more objective, data-driven approach that can be used for big companies, little companies, and can be used for companies within peer groups. And it's for that reason that I've built the index. Now, Bob, I would just say it's not perfect. Right, you know, it's taken us three years of research, and we've worked with some great folks at Arizona State University. But over the summer, we're doing a series of webinars to get supply chain leaders' input, so we can refine it for a global conference. Yeah. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but that's the answer. Okay, where does the data come from? Are you drawing from the same data pool that Gartner did, and do they have to be publicly traded companies in order to have the kind of data available to you that you need? They do have to be publicly traded companies, and we get the data from the public statements of companies. And when companies want to apply the data to divisions or regions, they will sign an NDA with us, and we'll do that analysis, but we'll keep that confidential. I see. So uh, in your initial efforts, how many companies were you targeting to include in the index? Right now, all publicly held companies are ranked for balance, uh, resiliency, and strength. Uh, and we will include the top 20 to 25 in the report series that we'll publish this month. So how many is that? When you say all publicly traded companies, how many is that? You know, don't hold me to it. It's something like 12,000 companies in the database. Wow. <laughs> I guess It's a lot. It's a lot. You, you you knew what you were undertaking when you started, though, did you not? You must have understood the scale of this was going to be immense, or were you a little bit taken by surprise when you got into it? Yes and yes. I knew it would be immense, but it was bigger than I thought. Uh, so ASU kind of stepped up to kind of fill the, fill the gap there. So you, between the efforts of you and your Supply Chain Insights and ASU, that was sufficient to get this thing going? Yes, and also a lot of input from supply chain leaders. You know, over the last two years, I give a lot of thanks for all the supply chain leaders that have given me lots of great feedback. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, we've gone through the orbit chart reviews with probably a hundred companies and it's been great feedback. Okay, so the idea here is you're going to rank all public companies by industry codes, by industry North American Industry Classification System, N-A-I-C-S. I don't know how you say that acronym. Could you explain what that is? You know, we started with Morningstar Index, which is how the financial analysts group companies, but we found that that changed a lot uh, and didn't have a consistent definition. And then we tried SIC codes, uh, and uh, we also found out that that was too dynamic, and so... The NAICS codes are a more consistent industry reporting methodology that was developed by the U.S. government. But it does apply to international companies as well. It's just a way of grouping industries. And you were looking at the period of 2006 to 2013. What was the reason for that particular span of time? Well, we started looking at 2000 to 2013, and as we reviewed the orbit charts with companies, they said, wow, 2000 to 2006, that's just a long time ago. You know, you know, I'm an old gal. I've been kicking around the industry a long time. I found that whole period to be really interesting. But most supply chain leaders said, could we look at the period right before the recession, through the recession, and more recently? And so we cut it there. But in our reports coming out this summer, we'll actually do three times periods. We'll do 2000 to 2013, 2006 to 2013, which shows the impact through the recession, and then more recent data, which I think will be 2008 to 2013. Okay, you talk about this, you liken this to a triathlon because it's based on the three elements of strength, balance, and resiliency, and then, of course, peer ranking and stuff. I'd like to take those one thing at one at a time. Strength, you say progress at the intersection of growth and return on invested capital inventory turns, operating margin. Talk a little bit more about what constitutes a high score in strength. Well, a high score in strength is the ability to make progress at the intersection of operating margin and inventory turns. So imagine you've got a four-box model and you've bought companies within that industry group and you have companies that have done well year over year, 2006 to 2013, and companies that haven't. And so they're going to come out of that four-box model. So what we worked with Arizona State University to do was to look at the vector analysis of how did companies do at that intersection. So companies that have a higher value on strength actually made more progress at that intersection of operating margin and inventory turns than their peer group. So this is not a snapshot. This is, a, uh, again, it's important that this be kind of shown over time so that you can see a progression right. of improvement in the company. And that's where strength comes in there, right? And yeah. that's an important difference between what we're doing and the Gartner Top 25 because we're really looking at progression because it's the pattern of progression that I have found to be so interesting. Some of the elements you're talking about, growth, return on invested capital, inventory turns, operating margin, I mean, this is all supply chain type stuff, right? Or are there things that fall outside the purview of supply chain that can also affect a company's score here? And are you looking at that too, or is this purely a supply chain kind of index? You know, Bob, I'm not sure what supply chain means anymore. It means different <laughs> things to different people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, for some some companies, it means the processes from the customer's customer to supplier's supplier. That's the definition I hold. For some companies, it's a more narrow definition that looks at logistics and customer service and distribution. So, you know, there you would say that I'm looking broader than, you know, what supply chain can control. But right. I do yeah. think that 
supply chain processes, if we're successful, will improve growth, you know, whether it's products on time or new product launch or support of, you know, demand shaping programs, will improve return on invested capital because I think the people who are in charge of supply chain control the assets on a lot of the asset decisions of the company. And so return on invested capital is a way that we can see is, are we investing the company's money in a way that can return money to the company at a higher rate than the market? So balance and ROIC, uh, or balance is growth and ROIC progression. Strength is operating margin and inventory progression. And I really think that that's you know, one of the big goals of supply chain leaders is to be able to have strength in the progression of operating margin inventory turns. One of the things that I've seen over and over again is companies go through swings, you know, this year's margin, next year's inventory turns. But the ability to have consistency at the trend of the intersection, I think, is really valuable. And then resiliency, how tight was that pattern? One of the things that I found is some companies have really wild swings, like contract manufacturers, right, which I think is a risk factor for the industry. So that's a little bit about it. And I do think supply chain leaders affect those measurements. And I also see that those measurements correlate with market capitalization. So I don't have it all figured out, but I've learned a lot. Well, we at Supply Chain Brain, and I imagine you at Supply Chain Insights feel the same way, is that we favor the broadest possible definition of the term supply chain. And so there's very little that goes on in a company that we don't think has some uh, some relationship, however tangential, to that term. I agree, but, you know, there are some people who have a very narrow definition, and I fight that every day. So I appreciate, you know, the work you're doing, and I appreciate you following the work I'm doing. I want to take a moment to tell you about Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Rider has nearly 80 years of experience helping companies in North America, the UK, and Asia transform their supply chains. Rider provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. As supply chains become more complex, Rider leverages five strengths to deliver the best in supply chain execution. Know-how lean methodologies, a proven track record, deep expertise in key industries, and a breadth of resources. Visit Rider Solutions at Rider.com. That's R-Y-D-E-R dot com. And now, back to the podcast. Just to get back to the balance part, which you talked a little bit about already, the idea being to maximize market capitalization. Can you explain why that's such an important uh, measurement? I don't think anybody would disagree that they want to drive progress in market capitalization, which is the value of the shares outstanding times the market price. So to determine which metrics or ratios we would use in the supply chain index, we started with the correlation to market capitalization. It takes an investor's kind of view of this whole thing, but I guess that's the bottom line of a company anyway, is how the investors feel about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole point. That's what we're trying to do, right? Yeah. The switching works tough work, right? You know, it's year over year, it requires lots of hard work. You know, people say, well, why does it matter? And, you know, what really drove the most improvement? 
And we wanted to provide an instrument to be able to do that. And so that's what we're all about. Now, on the resiliency, resiliency aspect, you talked about the tightness of the pattern. But I'm wondering... To what degree is that within a company's control? Because we don't necessarily see a tightness of the pattern in economic trends. Economic swings are very wide. They go up and down. Companies have to adjust accordingly. So is it entirely fair to expect companies to maintain a tightness of pattern when external factors don't follow that uh, that pattern itself? I don't know. This is what we're crying out. It's our belief that we should build supply chains to be resilient, to absorb demand and supply volatility, and that we can do that through the design of buffers, pushable decoupling points, inventory strategies, form and function of inventory. We also believe that within company peer groups, you know, like I'm currently working on my book, which takes the industries over the last 10 years, you can see that they experience similar market factors, you know, demand changes, market changes, unless they screw up, right? So, you know, one of the things I'm studying right now and what I'm writing is out is Toyota, right? And a lot of people think about Toyota and lean processes and they would do the best in supply chain. They actually rank in the middle of their peer group because they screwed up pretty badly on quality of their cars and they fought to come back through the recession. So I think we control product quality, right? You know, we had a number of people that were fired at a major auto manufacturer because of ignition switches this week. You know, quality we control. So, yes and no. I think that we can design supply chains, we can control the quality, and we can compare with peer groups. Is it 100%? No. But it's worth looking at. The, the peer ranking aspect is cl- clearly important because that's, a, you know, that's, that's part of the index. Um, but how important is it? And I, you, you, you spoke about wanting to avoid the beauty contest, but I wonder if by definition, the very fact that you have a peer ranking kind of falls into that a little bit. How do you avoid that given the fact that you, by its very nature, the index ranks companies? There's some ties. Uh, and I think the uh, 10% ranking, which is not as high as 50%, will help us to decide ties. And quite frankly, Bob, one of the reasons why I want to do the peer ranking is not only get people feedback, but I want them to think harder about the index. And it's a way that I can market a new concept to them. Um, you know, more people will pay attention to it, you know, if there's something in it for them. So I'm giving it a try and seeing how it works. And, you know, next year, if we need to refine it, we'll do that. Now, you've done so much research in this area, not just for this index, but in a lifetime career looking into these factors. And I'm wondering, what do you what do you take away in terms of when you talk to companies about what they find to be the most difficult aspects to where they can achieve excellence in supply chain that would fit into this index? What is toughest for them to do these days? I think to define supply chain excellence and to have a discussion at a board level about why it matters. They work really hard. And they are competitive by definition. Uh, and there's been a lot of market factors, whether it's globalization or rise in volatility of commodity prices or, you know, what's happening in product life cycles or rising complexity. And they don't have a good benchmark. They don't have a good measuring stick to say, are they making progress? And, you know, what I see is nine out of ten companies are stuck at the intersection of operating margin and inventory terms, and there's a lack of understanding 
of why at the financial level, at the board level. And so a lot of companies, you know, are trying to look for a way they can have a data-driven discussion about the market, about the industry, about their progress, to sort of have an equalization so that they can talk the language of finance. And finance can talk the language of supply chain. Because I don't know, Bob, if you remember the research I shared at last year's Global Summit where the understanding of supply chain is one of the largest gaps that supply chain leaders have at the board level. Not just at the board level, but at the level of the investment community, so much of which depends on ranking companies according to you know how much their revenues are growing quarter to quarter. Do you think this tool will help to enlighten the investment community as to the importance of supply chain to a company's bottom line, market capitalization, and stock value? The relationships aren't linear. And so, you know, we've actually done a lot of random forest work at Arizona State University to look at the ratios and try to directly tie it to market capitalization as a predictive model. We've built predictive models for two of the industries, but we're not going to release them yet. We're not done with the research. But I think the index, while not a predictive model, is a directional model. I think that companies that are doing better on the index are solid companies to invest in. Uh, I think the companies that are doing worse, uh, you know, could use some attention. It's our hope it's directional, not predictive. So industry reaction so far from the point where you announced that you're working on the index to the uh, receptiveness of companies to talk to you and share data with you to the desirability of, among companies for a new index, are you finding strong, uh, strong reaction? I am. First of all, I've got to get it out there uh, and get greater uh, knowledge. Uh, second, I've got to train people on it, which is a new way of thinking, you know, whether it's the orbit charts or the index. And a lot of times people, you know, have to get grounded in what these terms mean. But I'm finding great acceptance for it. And I appreciate being able to talk to people like you. This summer series of, uh, did you say webinars? You're going to be traveling around educating people on the index? What, what, what's your summer going to look like? Over the course of the summer, we will be launching a series of reports on value networks. So the first one's on consumer value networks, which looks at retail, consumer packaged goods, chemical, food and beverage, chemical, and then we've got healthcare in July, which is hospital, pharma, medical device. We've got industrial in August, which is industrial equipment, automotive, uh, high-tech electronics, semiconductor, uh, 3PL contract manufacturers. And so... By the time we go through all the industries and all the value networks with all the webinars, because we've got three webinars, we will have the peer ranking in August, which will allow the supply chain shaman circle, which are the people that are the most connected with me networking, to really be able to derive the 20 companies we most admire. And we'll launch those at our global summit. When do you expect the full index to be available? At the same time or later? In September. In September. September, all of the industries will be published. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be publishing value network summaries throughout the summer, but uh, the entire index will be published for the global summer. And you're looking at an annual publication, same time every year? Yes, every September. So it'll always be tied in with the global summit, I guess. I mean, that's sort of the idea, right, that you can reveal the with results each year. 
Correct. Yeah. And as uh, just finally, as you're uh, you were already so deep into this, but are you already looking ahead to uh, you, you were saying earlier in our conversation, there's no way this can be perfect. There's certainly going to be uh, ways you might want to modify it over the years as you gain some experience. Are you already seeing some things that you might want to change the next time around uh, or, or some kind of bells and whistles or tinkering you might want to do with this index? You know, what we're trying to do now is to tie the 40 quantitative studies that we've done where we've gotten responses from companies on alignment and balance and use of technologies to try to look at patterns of correlations about what actually improves company rankings on the index. So I think for the next probably five years, we will be looking at causality and, you know, what's happening here. And um, I think that's pretty exciting to make it a data-driven discussion. I don't think we really know what best practices are. I think we've got 30 years of practices that people may assume are best practices, but we really haven't put a litmus test to it. And it's my goal to do that. And so that's what we're really about as our mission at Supply Chain Insight. Well, Laura, we are really looking forward to the results. I guess we'll just be existing in a state of suspense all summer long, waiting for the first index to be published. It sounds like it's going to be a very valuable tool this year and going forward. Thank you so much for being on the show again to talk to talk to us about the index. And uh, we want to connect up with you again later and just see how it all went. But thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. A final word from our sponsor, Ryder Supply Chain Solutions. Ryder has nearly 80 years of experience helping customers in North America, the U.K., and Asia transform their supply chains by delivering the best in operational execution. Ryder provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. Visit us at Ryder.com. That was my conversation with Laura Ciceri. Hope you enjoyed the show. Check out the show notes for this podcast for more information on the Supply Chain Index and Supply Chain Insights' upcoming Global Summit. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.